Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. Now, I know a lot of you actually have younger kids, preschool and below, and then some of you are even in the Southern Hemisphere, and so it's not even summer there, let alone summer break. But for those heading into summer break who do have kids in the school system with a break coming up, I hope you're excited about and ready for this summer break. I know a lot of kids are finished already. Ours actually still have two more weeks after this one. This seems like it's really late this year. But the weather here has been so cold and rainy. But according to the forecast, it's now finally looking to warm up and stay warm. We had rain two days ago, and it was 50 degrees, and this was during my son's swim meet. So we are so ready for this weather to leave us for a while. Now, we have summer basically planned out with different summer camps. Our oldest does Junior Lifeguards, which is a great program they have here. It's subsidized by the county, and it trains kids to be lifeguards. They get amazing exercise and the skills, all the CPR and the other lifeguard rescue skills. And the county gets a lot of kids who are well-prepared to be lifeguards when they turn 18. They start this program at age 9, and it goes through 17. It goes four days a week from 9 to 2. So they still get some downtime in the afternoons and then again on Fridays. And a lot of the kids who go to this program are also on swim teams. So they have a practice for an hour and a half before junior lifeguard starts. For the younger kids, for the older kids, I think they practice for like two hours. Some of those kids who are super good probably have practiced twice a day, once in the morning and once in the afternoon. But So this is a pretty fit group of kids just to begin with, but by the end of summer, they are really fit. But it keeps them out of trouble, and my favorite, it keeps them off the gaming systems, or at least from begging for it constantly. So I'm really excited about that. My son loved it last year. Can't wait to do it again this year. Okay, so for the questions, today's questions are about teaching sharing. How do you teach toddlers to share? And then another one about roughhousing. How do you manage roughhousing when the play seems to get out of hand? So the first question about sharing is from Katie, who wrote, Hi, Erin. I just discovered your podcast and I'm learning so much. I am a first-time mother of twin girls. They're 20 months old. I'm finding it difficult to teach them how to share. Twin B is very bossy. She takes everything her sister has, no matter what it is. Twin A is pretty easygoing, so she usually just rolls with it. But I don't feel like that's fair to her. I talk about sharing. I talk about how it's not kind to take toys away from friends, but it's just not working. I thought of using a visual timer and telling Twin B, your sister is going to play with that toy for two more minutes and then you can have it and setting the timer. Do you think this is worthwhile? Any advice would be appreciated. Thank you. Now, this is a great question. It's something a lot of parents are concerned about because we obviously want our kids to grow up to be kind and considerate, but getting younger kids to understand sharing, let alone actually do it, 
can seem very difficult. In addition, there's research that came out that talks about the negatives of expecting sharing, which I think has just left parents feeling baffled and confused in some cases. And I don't blame them. So I'm going to cover all of this, the development that relates to the idea of sharing, the points researchers are making about sharing, and when it can work against development of a positive sense of self, and then when and how to begin to teach sharing. So first, I'm going to talk about the development of self. Babies are born without a concept of self. Then around nine months, this idea of self begins to emerge. Now, this is when they'll start to recognize themselves in the mirror, and they usually get a really big kick out of it. As this sense of self develops more into the toddler years, you start to see the tantrums for a lot of reasons, all related to different aspects of development. But a big part of it is that the sense of self emerges. They begin to recognize their own wants and needs and feelings, including the sense of budding independence. When you finally have a sense of self, you now know you want that toy over there. You want your cracker in one piece, not broken in half. A sense of control over the pieces one can control in one's world becomes very important early on. So also in this early stage, there is only the self. There is no other. I mean, there is. They see and recognize that there are other people, especially their caretakers, but they have no idea that those other beings, people or animals, have different needs or wants or that they have feelings of their very own. That concept is completely foreign. So the other child playing with a toy that they want, they have no idea that other baby or toddler is actually enjoying that toy. They just know they want it. Now, what's really cool about Katie's question also is that it just shows how different people are even from the very beginning. These are twins, same parents, same womb, same household, same everything, all at the same time even, yet their personalities are already, and probably even from birth, were showing to be very different in some ways, which I just find really fascinating and fun. So Katie, you have one toddler who's super laid back and doesn't really seem to mind when a toy gets taken and another who's super intent and probably intense at times about seeing something she wants and making sure she gets it. Now, both of these are common in early toddlers depending on their personality. But many times there's so much going on that especially when you have a baby who doesn't really care or recognize when something's been taken they just move on to the next thing. They may and likely will change somewhat. I mean, she's laid back, so she'll probably always be pretty laid back. But eventually she will start to care as she gets deeper into play and more connected to what she's doing. But in this early age, it isn't something that bothers her. So from about the age of nine months through up to two and a half to three is when the sense of self is developing. When I what I like and what I don't like, what I want to do and not do. And so all of those no's are common. Sometimes just to try to assert the independence and say no, because I can say no. It gives me that power that I'm looking for. Now, of course, there's ways to circumvent this no through the positive discipline tools, which are found on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the discipline section. So if you're struggling with a lot of no's of toddlerhood, the pushback and the opposition, the Intro to Discipline and the Discipline Tools for Toddlers or Preschoolers class can give tools to help with that. But when it comes to this sharing aspect and the sense of self, during this time, 18 months to around three, the language of ownership is very big. Me, my, mine. So this is the reason why. This is why you're hearing so much of this during this age range because this strong sense of self has and is still developing. So any time before the age of three is a very difficult time to try and teach 
and guide the idea of sharing. It's just simply too early. A child's development will rarely allow them to even understand the concept of another having feelings or needs, let alone being selfless enough to actually give up something that they want in that moment with that strong sense of self to make another person happy. So you'll see on a rare occasion though, a toddler who does seem to have a sense of empathy early and will give a toy, especially to someone much younger like a baby or who will try to comfort a crying baby or a toddler. But that's really, really uncommon. It's more common, much more common, to see toddlers have no clue about the other person and their wants or needs or feelings, let alone to actually understand it. So around the age of three, though, is when the sense of empathy starts to develop. This is when a greater understanding of perspective taking is starting to develop, that other people have feelings too. And while I may be happy to have the ball, the other person is not happy along with me. They're actually sad because they wanted it too. So they're starting to understand this around three. But it takes a while, especially to get to the point of being ready to forego something for another person, like taking turns or sharing. So with that background, I wanna just say that it's pretty early to be trying to teach the concept of sharing. Now the good news is that since one of your daughters doesn't seem to mind, she just moves on to the next thing, I wouldn't sweat it at this point. Now I also get that you wanna set expectations around behavior and grabbing isn't a behavior that you want to condone. But they are so young at this point, and again, since the other sibling doesn't seem to care or notice, I wouldn't sweat it. But if you want to work on it, on the social skill of setting rules around grabbing, you can do that. Just to set the rule around that, start to set the precedent. Now, I'm not sure if much of it will get absorbed simply because they just don't recognize each other as having needs and as being a full being with wants and needs and feelings. But it can't hurt to set some boundaries around it if you feel like that's something you want to start working on now. You can do that either way. You can let it go for a while and then work on it a little later, or you can set that up right now and just work on it, but just be really patient and understand that it may not get absorbed very much and it may just be a battle. So if you want to make it about teaching, we don't grab toys and get the toy back without grabbing it yourself and giving it back, you can certainly work on that. You can go either way with that and it'll be just fine. But it also isn't something that needs to be closely monitored or guarded, so if that all makes sense. But once the other daughter seems to get upset about a toy being grabbed, or once they get a little older, two to two and a half, you can start working on the grabbing thing in more earnest. Now the cool thing about kids is that you may notice that once the other daughter gets upset and screams or yells, like it's like, ah! You know, sometimes they'll just yell out, like, wait a minute. you know, I'm still playing with that. It may take her sister by surprise and she may stop trying to get that toy out of surprise. She might just stop trying to pull on it because then she realizes, oh, it's attached to someone else. Um, And she may just let go and let her sister keep it. Many times young kids can work out their social dynamics on their own. It's only when they can't and there's some prolonged upset or physical aggression that starts to set in that we wanna step in and help them work it out. But once the girls are around three is when you can start teaching the concept of taking turns, which you are right on with that. The timer idea is one way of doing that. It's a really great, very fair, equal way of doing that where you don't have to sit there and pay attention so closely. So it's a great idea. I love it. And we actually used to do that with our kids, especially with the boys who both tended to want to play with the same thing quite frequently. They would each get a five-minute turn on whatever the toy was that they wanted to be playing with. We'd set the timer on our phone to alleviate the bickering. 
when it comes to sharing, sharing is a more cooperative, a back and forth type of thing that comes after they have the turn taking down well. If there's an issue with sharing, that can also be taught. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads. Love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important, but did you know indoor air quality can be up to a hundred times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. And if a child is struggling, if there's an issue with sharing that is a skill that can be taught, but your twins are really, really young still, this will come around the age of three and a half to four. That's when you want to start working on the sharing if there's some struggles with that. But for any other parents who have kids who are struggling with this and you want to know how to work with them on it, in the class You're Developing Preschooler on the website at yourvillageonline.com, in the section on social development, I share the tips and tools for working with preschoolers to increase their patience and tolerance and understanding of sharing so they can get better at that. Now, a few years ago, some research came out about sharing and how it can have some negative aspects. I'm going to get into what that research was about and why and what they found and clear up any confusion around it right after a word from our sponsor, ButcherBox. 
Right now, ButcherBox is offering new members a free Ultimate Barbecue Bundle, plus $20 off their first box. Celebrate the start of grilling season with one of their best deals ever. The Ultimate Barbecue Bundle comes with three grill-ready favorites, including baby back ribs, two pounds of ground beef, and two New York Strip steaks. Plus, get $20 off your first box. Start your summer off right with this incredible deal. ButcherBox makes it easy to get high-quality meats that you can trust. Every month, ButcherBox delivers 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage-breed pork, and wild Alaskan salmon directly to your door. The incredible quality of ButcherBox meats starts with a commitment to humanely raised animals that are never fed antibiotics or hormones. Did we mention it's delivered right to your door? And I love all the meat I've gotten at ButcherBox, but I have to say the Alaskan salmon is incredible. The quality and the taste are amazing. Plus, it's so easy to order off the website, get it delivered right to my door, and they have quick and easy recipes right on their website that I have used to cook with my children for some fun family bonding time. For the Ultimate Barbecue Bundle, absolutely free in your first ButcherBox, plus $20 off, go to butcherbox.com parenting or enter the promo code parenting. That's two New York strip steaks, baby back ribs, and two pounds of ground beef, free in your first box, plus $20 off at butcherbox.com parenting or enter the promo code parenting. All right, now that we're back after the break, I wanna get to talking about the research that came out a few years ago on sharing. So what they were discussing was the concerns or issues that sharing can bring if not fully considered or thought out properly. And it actually had some really good points, but I also think it left some parents really confused. So the overall takeaway was that yes, teaching kindness, caring, and respect are still important. Sharing is a nice way to show people that you care about them and their feelings and that you think about them. But the other side to it was that it can backfire to force sharing. True sharing comes from an internal sense of wanting to make another person happy, to feel good. And I talk a lot about this in a lot of aspects, about not expecting something, but offering it. Would you like to share the toy with your with the other kids in the sandbox? I bet that would make them feel very good. That type of thing. Now, this is a great quality, but forcing sharing generally tends to backfire. It makes the child more anxious about wanting their toys or their toy back. They aren't learning to recognize the feeling or contentment in making another person happy. All they're noticing and connecting with is that anxiety of wanting that toy back. So especially when they're really, really young and they're in that me, my, mine stage, the oppositional stage, they're just not going to get that concept of sharing. Some of them will share and not notice and not care, and that's great. But if there's a lot of anxiety going on around it, you need to work around some other ways with the sharing. Either not take toys to a certain gathering if there's going to be a lot of problems around it, and then work on the sharing at home in a more controlled environment. And it's a process that you can do step by step, like I said, in a controlled environment at home when working with a parent or teacher. If this is a particular area of struggle for your child and you want to work that out and help them get more comfortable with it. 
The other thing the research mentioned in particular was about sharing a very special toy. So a child who has a special connection with a particular car, a train, a stuffed lovey, or something like that should not be expected to share that toy. They should be allowed to have a few toys, one or two, that are very special to them that they don't need to share. And it's okay to have that and not want to just let anybody play with it. In that case, then you're, there's rules about leaving that toy at home or leaving them in the car when you go to someone's home or that kind of thing to alleviate an issue with other kids wanting to play with it. Now, they likened it to an adult having a new car that they're so excited about. No scratches, like totally shiny new. And going to a party and then being expected to let anyone who wanted to take it out for a spin just take it out. And it sounds silly, but it's really not. Because for our kids, that big teddy bear is their Porsche. They don't want just anyone playing with it, right? It's very special to them. So the next question is from Danielle, who wrote, I have almost four-year-old identical twin boys. We got two twin questions today. I'm lucky that they play really well together and rarely get into arguments. However, the last six months especially, they have been really into roughhousing. Last week, I was feeding the baby, six weeks old, and they were happily playing. When they came running into the living room, they both had scratches all over their faces. When I asked them what happened, they said they were pretending to be snow leopards. They were totally happy, but their faces were so scratched. I found it very upsetting. We have made rules when they roughhouse that there is no punching, kicking, pulling at clothes, biting and scratching. However, the scratching and pulling at faces continues and I'm at a loss on how to deal with this behavior. I have read the roughhousing is good for them, but I don't know how to manage it. Please help. Also, the boys are so full of energy these days and are often yelling, singing, talking loudly at the same time. I have resorted to yelling to try to be heard over them, but honestly, this rarely works and just adds to the chaos. Any suggestions for this? Right now, the boys feed off of each other and the noise level gets out of control so quickly. So I can relate to this very, very well. My boys still roughhouse to this day, although not as much as they used to, but, and they do ratchet each other up. The more kids, the more noise, the more crazy it seems to get. So it sounds like you're obviously aware that the roughhousing type of play is very normal and actually very good for development in many areas. The physical development, the social development, etc. Socially, they get to say what they like, what they don't like, help learn some boundaries. It's really great. But it's also much more common in boys. So as far as the behavior, you have a couple options. You can allow it as it'll develop and remind them that if they get too rough, they could get hurt and then just let it go. Now, it's inevitable that at some point, one or both will get hurt, no matter to what degree you police it. And this is a way they'll learn about how rough is too rough, both for themselves and for the other. You'll also see empathy develops that when they hurt each other, they'll feel really badly and they'll work harder to stay in control. You can also coach it and set the rules and this will help minimize them hurting each other to some degree, but unfortunately these are lessons they usually have to learn the hard way through doing it, trial and error. Now, as far as the scratched faces, there's two ways to go. Now, neither of them seem to be upset by it, and it is okay to have a discussion, share your thoughts, show them their faces, let them know it's not acceptable, and that they could really hurt each other and help them to see why this type of roughhousing is too much in order to help them learn about setting boundaries and staying in better control in their play without outlawing it or set it as a hard and fast rule, but allow them to learn through the process. 
and through sharing your thoughts and feelings about it. If one of them were upset or hurt, then that's very different and it would be important to set that as a limit. It's never okay to hurt someone else. The other way is, as you have already done with the other things, is to set rules around it and add it to the rules. No punching, kicking, biting, scratching, slapping, etc. The minute this happens, the play is over. Now, the way I personally like to go about it is to say, if someone gets hurt, the rough play is over. So the moment someone is crying, the rough housing is done for the day. An ow is not someone hurt per se, but someone is yelling, ow, 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 get off, and or crying, the rough play is over for that day. So setting up this boundary lets them be in charge of the play to learn to regulate and control how rough they get, and it will take some practice. Now, they like the rough housing, so it does help them to learn this important part of how to have fun but stay in control. So I would set the rules ahead of time. If someone gets hurt, the rough play is over for the rest of the day. Then when it happens, you let them know that they got too rough with each other and they need to find something else to do. You can remind them there's no more rough play the rest of the day and they can try again tomorrow. The moment they start to rough house after they've broken the rule, someone got hurt, or they've gone on to other activities but then tried to re-engage in the rough behavior again, you remind them of what happened and let them know they need to find something else to do. The good news is, is now that summer's here and hopefully this awful weather is over or nearly over for pretty much everyone, it is easier to direct their attention to another physical activity and send them outside. In the winter, this is a bit tougher, so having some physical activities available they can do inside. So for Parents who have this issue during the winter time, for those in the Southern Hemisphere where it is coming up to winter right now, having physical activities available they can do inside during those months will be helpful. An indoor trampoline, certain physical games like hullabaloo, some bouncy balls they can hop around on. There are these ones they sit on with the handles. Those types of things can be really helpful to redirect them to something that's still physical, but where they're not having to engage with each other. And I know it's not always easy to watch or listen to. My boys are now eight and 10. They still rough house. And we have set rules around noise levels as well. If it gets too loud, we set the rule around that and tell them they need to be outside if they're going to be so loud. Again, easier here in California where we normally only get a few weeks of weather that limits outdoor time. So I definitely understand the issue with noise and it's quite common for kids to feed off of each other. So again, I have a rule about noise where we have indoor voices and outdoor voices. And if they want or need to use their outdoor voices, they go outside anytime except if it's just pouring rain or windy and really cold. So in that case, I redirect them to something else. I would also strongly recommend watching the class Peaceful Parenting Part too. Um, and this is for Danielle, who's a, a member or anyone else who's a member for getting some more tips for lots of examples and ways of dealing with struggles like these to be ready for common issues and be ready to deal with them in a more calm manner. That That is found under the modern parenting section. And also, I believe under the discipline section, put those in both places. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.